0: Hey, you're listening to Cut For Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley, and each week I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut For Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon prep, and they will share some things with us that we did not hear in the sermon. The goal of the podcast is to ask things like, why did our church need to hear this message on Sunday? Or, why did you personally need to preach this message? pastors will also share some practical next steps. We're glad you're here listening. Here's my conversation with Pastor Joey. Hey, Joey, welcome to your last cut for time for a long time.
1: Hey, Claire, it's great to be here. I'm coming to you live from my underground sabbatical preparation bunker, where uh, we're, <laughs> we're stockpiling everything we need to pack in order to live overseas for three months.
0: And you're leaving in how many days?
1: Uh, seven days. We seven. leave on Monday, May 24th.
0: Okay. At in the last 38 PM, 530 PM. Okay. I think. In the last, uh, month, would you say, um, you are more stressed now or less than you were like a week ago, two weeks ago? How, what, how has this progressed mm-hmm. over time?
1: I am just about to get really stressed because I had like the really big stuff last week. Um, I talked about a little bit in the sermon with my ordination, uh, or I talked about the end. Um, and I couldn't see past it. I couldn't see past that Thursday. I couldn't see anything that needed to be done after that. So I was only stressed about it. Yes. And then it's done. And so now I, there's a bit of a relief. And then now I'm going, oh, seven days. Uh, I got a lot to do. So
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think that sleep will be the last thing on your mind? You'll sacrifice sleep to be able to get everything done?
1: Oh, or probably. You're not to
0: that level. Okay. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: Well, we're not quite there yet, but definitely the next like three days when it's supposed to be raining nonstop, it'll be all the inside projects and all the organizing and packing and stuff like that. So Yeah. All
0: right. I've spent I've
1: sent a lot of emails already today trying to get ready for being gone.
0: Okay. Great. Um, okay. Well, we'll be praying for you in your last preparation week before Mm -hmm. this big trip. Um, and you mentioned your ordination. We're going to talk about that today on today's podcast. We've got a, I've got a few other questions for you. And so since we've got a lot that we want to be able to cover, I'm going to give you a challenge. Um, let's talk about your sermon and your challenge is, can you summarize the entire sermon in one sentence? instead of taking a minute one or
1: two sentence
0: yeah it cannot be a long run on sentence that would require commas no or breaths semicolons. no breaths
1: no parenthetical phrasing um one sentence i could just give you the key idea you no, know i was just about to lives. put that down oh, as a
0: rule Mm-mm-mm.
1: you weren't fast enough okay okay sorry right, also on, this is on. from
0: james chapter three verses three through eighteen.
1: james three three through yeah. 13 through 18 yes um If you want to find wisdom, don't look for the people putting themselves out there. Look for the gentle, the humble, and the meek people. Call, semicolon. colon theirs is the wisdom worth following. Period.
0: Okay, great. That was very well done.
1: That took some thinking. Man. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> great, I counted as you were speaking, I was trying to count comma, 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 like maybe four commas with the semicolon, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's great um all right, Joey so what's some who's somebody in your um walk as a Christian that you would point to at any point in the last how long have you been a christian twenty years thirty years uh, thirty. Okay. 30
1: years this year. Yeah. That's right.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so in the the course of the 30 years, I'm sure you can think of many people that have been influential in your walk, um, that you would think of that are the, um, the quiet and the humble and the wise. Mm -hmm. So would you tell us about somebody that has, um, helped formed your own faith along the way?
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, of course, there's a few people around faith that immediately come to mind, but, um, probably the first person I encountered who's like this was a guy named Don Vanderpoel. And I, I think I've talked about Don in a sermon in the past, maybe in a benediction part of the service, but, uh, Don was a retired, uh, business guy in our church. Um, pretty well to do well off guy. But, uh, after his retirement, he just started volunteering. He might've actually been working. He might've been getting paid for it, but he started spending his time just being the church janitor, um, just cleaning up, um, So, you know, imagine a a 70, 75 year old grandfather who's just serving the church by scrubbing toilets and and cleaning floors. And um, when I was in either late high school or early college, I can't remember which, I had never been in a one-on-one discipling relationship uh, other than sort of informally with my youth pastor and spending a time with him. So I asked Don if he would mentor me. Um, And not because, you know, I'd seen not because I'd read James 3, 13 through 18 and thought, gosh, who would be this the person who fits this? But just for some reason, I don't know, if God prompted me or something, I felt like I should ask Don. And so we met uh, every week for a summer, it might've been almost a year, um, just studying the fruit of the spirit together and reading scripture together. And yeah, he he was the guy who, at least of what I knew of him um, at the age that I knew him as gentle, quiet, humble, meek, um, but had a, a lot of wisdom to share.
0: Um, So I was listening to a podcast a few days ago and this woman, Diane, she's maybe in her sixties was speaking of, um, just the wisdom she's gained over the course of many years walking with the Lord, but Mm -hmm. specifically through various trials and the way she described just her passion, I guess the way she talked about these experiences and just her life, um, you could just sense this tangible and great love for the Lord, just so deep and just just such a wealth of wisdom that she was speaking from. And I texted my sister-in-law and I was like, hey, have you heard their latest podcast? This is one that she and I track with each week. And I just said, I want to be like Diane when I grow up. So there is a lot of time, but also just difference in where our faith my faith is at um how do i become like diane when i grow up joey
1: so how do you become like these gentle wise people that you know
0: yeah i mean i just feel like holy smokes she has all of this wisdom and i yeah i want that
1: well i haven't i haven't heard the podcast or heard the interview with her so i don't know her story but if i had to guess i would say How do you become like that person? You suffer well. Um, I'm assuming she's faced uh, a lot of difficulty and struggle and trial. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have yet to meet a wise, humble, godly older person who has gotten that way without trial and suffering. Um, So I guess (laughs) prepare yourself. If if you want if you're praying for a faith like that, then mm-hmm. uh God is going to form it. Uh, maybe as James says in the beginning of the letter, right? Count on all joy when you face trials of various kinds.
0: Okay. That's
1: how this kind of faith is formed.
0: Okay.
1: I would much rather have the faith without the trial, but I don't know that they that
0: You don't think possible. one can come without the other.
1: Right. Well, mm-hmm. certainly trial can come without it forming faith. Like well we you yes. respond poorly or or a question like James says, you know, don't assume that God is tempting you, uh,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so um, suffer well, that looks like?
1: That, yeah, what does suffering well look like? Well, um, suffering well means at least a, a couple of things. One, it means not disconnecting yourself from the sufferings of other people. Um, you know, uh, Compassion is formed out of two root words that mean to suffer with or suffer alongside um or at least to be moved by others that you are in a relationship with. So uh, one way that we try to avoid suffering is by pulling away from people who are suffering. Um, that way we don't have to suffer with them. So I'd say one way to suffer well is to stay connected and stay with and stay and suffer with those who are uh, are themselves struggling. Um, you know another another way to suffer well is when the suffering comes to us is to to let that suffering drive us deeper into Christ instead of further away from him. I um, you know, uh, Paul writes about uh, participating in the fellowship of Jesus's sufferings, that in su- there, there's a sense in which when we suffer, we are learning to some small degree what it means for Christ to suffer uh, at an infinite level on our behalf in, in his death on the cross. Um, so suffering rather than invalidating our faith actually drives us deeper into our faith because it allows us to identify with our suffering savior, the servant who came to suffer on our behalf. So um, don't shy away from the suffering of others, you know, let the suffering drive you deeper into your faith uh, instead of away from it. And um, I'd say maybe on a third, a third way is um, to suffer well is to not, not avoid um, discomfort or minor suffering, if we can call it that, you know, it's, it's so easy. Like I'm, I'm sitting right here in a perfectly air conditioned uh, underground sabbatical prep bunk- bunker and I can, I can order food to, you know, to be here in five minutes from my phone and I can watch endless hours of whatever. And I never have to be bored or hungry or hot or cold or, you know, it's, there's so, we're so convenient right now, um, in, in how we live our lives that we feel like any inconvenience is somehow suffering. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the right advice there is to, um, turn off Netflix and go for a hike or, or if it's to stop, um, door dashing all of your meals or, or whatever it is. But I, I just say like, figure out the difference between inconvenience and, and suffering and don't shy away from difficult things, difficult relationships, difficult circumstances, simply because you can't handle inconvenience or being inconvenienced at all.
0: Sure. Okay. Maybe
1: I'm just saying get bored and stay bored for a while. <laughs> Give that a try every once in a while.
0: I know. Yeah. We're not used to being bored. We can fill the space often. It's something that's been largely like lost for the most part. Mm -hmm.
1: I read recently the average human being's attention span is shorter than a goldfish.
0: Well, I've read that in John Mark's book. Um, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, he, ours is shorter than a goldfish and he says we're competing with goldfish, which is, or we're losing to goldfish, he Mm -hmm. said, and Mm -hmm. I feel it, which is the worst part. Do you feel it? Do you feel your brain like that? Or Uh, are you like, I'm better than a goldfish and he didn't account for my attention span in
1: this? (laughs) Um, We are definitely losing to goldfish. Um, I think I read in other places, not in John Mark's stuff, but in other places that like the killer skill for the 21st century is the ability to focus on a difficult task uh, for an hour at a time Mm -hmm. without distraction. Like if you really want your kids to, to get ahead in the future, like, don't buy them iPads and teach them how to use technology. Teach them to, to choose to focus on one thing, to shut out other distractions, and to stay focused on a hard thing for 60 to 90 minutes at a time.
0: And that's a skill.
1: That's a skill. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yes, right. We, we tell kids to pay attention as if it's something that comes naturally to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's something we got to learn.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Joey. So let's uh, switch gears just a little bit. Um, and let's talk about your ordination. You mentioned okay. it during second service during the benediction. And so first service people, this might be news to a lot of people. They may have no idea that you have recently been ordained and almost. okay. Almost? almost. So tell us, yeah, I guess, tell us about the process. I, yeah. um, it's been a long time, many years coming, and you are able to. And I don't mean it like you've dragged your feet. I just mean oh, like I've it was a long. Well, I definitely dragged my
1: feet. yes. <laughs> well, I
0: wasn't talking about it like that, but I was just, you know, trying to say it's yeah. been a long process because it is just it takes. It, it a is a long, long
1: process. Yeah. So I, um, my last semester of seminary i only needed to take one more class and i could choose to either write a thesis or take a ordination preparation class and so basically all we did for that class was read a bunch of systematic theologies and write out our beliefs so i did that and then i was ordained by a a small church a a local bible church in dallas texas grace bible church same place that chuck swindoll was ordained so i had that going for me Uh right it was a big deal um but then started pastoring at Faith, and and need to transfer that ordination from that local church authority into the Evangelical Free Church. And uh, so there's I need to be you know a, a active in the EFCA for at least three years, um, get a license. Basically, it's an associate's license or something like that, um, or it was at the time. Um, so after my three-year anniversary, I was eligible to transfer that ordination in. But it, it involved writing a new paper and, uh, another round of quizzing and, and all that other stuff. So I kind of dragged my feet on it. Um, I didn't kind of drag my feet on it. I definitely dragged my feet on it and, uh, was like, you know, it's important. Yes, but there's always more urgent things to do. And so I kept yeah. putting it off. So part of the sabbatical, uh, application, the, uh, the, foundation who gives the grants uh, gives them only to ordained pastors. So we wrote in the application that, yes, I'm ordained by a local church in Dallas, Texas, but I'm working on transferring the ordination into the EFCA. And the elders said, Hey, this is fine with us. As long as it's done before you go on sabbatical. So I'm like, okay, now I've got a deadline and there's some, there's some good motivation there. So we began working on the paper, um, I had to revise the paper last from last time, make some changes, reorganize it according to the efca's doctrinal statement, or statement of faith, and then add some personal stuff and beliefs on contemporary issues and things like that so we got that I got that done got it uh, Tom Macy was my moderator for the council he's done that a number of times um, i don't know most people don't know that Tom served at the national level on the board of ministerial standing, which oversees all the ordinations, so he knows what he's talking about and what it takes to get an ordination done. So he coached me through writing the paper. Um, I worked and worked and worked to get it down to 40 pages. And then I gave it to Tom and he said, oh, I'm so sorry, it's supposed to be 40 pages, double spaced, not single spaced, which if I had read the instructions I would have known. So then I double spaced it and, worked and, and worked, yeah. worked and worked and worked to cut out another 32 pages worth of stuff, cut <laughs> it down to 40, got it turned in. And then, yeah, the council was, um, so Jen and I were there. And then there were five uh, non-pastor folks on the, the council, um, including two from faith, Tom Waltz, one of our elders, and Alyssa Dunker, one of our missionaries, uh, and then a couple other folks from uh, around uh, our district. And then there were five pastors on the council, so our own Bob Lonick, uh, as well as a regional superintendent and a pastor out in Pennsylvania and um, a couple pastors from in town. So uh, it had to be five pastors, five non-pastors representing five different churches. So they had all read my paper in advance. Uh, They spent three and a half hours asking me questions about the beliefs. What do you mean by this? Explain this. Um, I was asked, how is the Holy Spirit like and unlike the force from Star Wars? And uh, we had a good conversation there. And then they uh, dismissed Jenna and I to talk about um, what concerns do they have? What edits did I need to make to my paper, if anything? And... Um, the scariest part, um, does Joey's character and um, what we've seen of him line up with his beliefs? And uh, they left us out there squirming for about an hour while they talked about us and then invited us back in and said um, that they had voted to affirm our ordination uh, with a few changes to the paper. So I made those changes this morning and that'll go to Tom to review. And then he'll send it off to the Board of Ministerial Standing along with the um, the motion, uh, the approval from the council and the board of ministerial standing will review the paper and then confer the final ordination. I assume some point in the next three months, I won't even know about it because I'll be gone and I won't have emails. So I assume I'll be ordained. I'm sure I'll feel different when it happens. And so I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, that, that feeling, that must be ordination. Mm
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a long process and just hats off to you,
1: man. Yeah. Well. Hats off to Jenna. She's the one who uh, pushed me for the last eight years to say, you got to do this. You got to do this. And obviously I ignored her for quite a long time. Um, until, and, stuff. And, until until we uh, we had a good hard deadline and got it done.
0: Yeah, that's what we all need sometimes. Barely, Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So how does that connect to what we learned on Sunday? What does that mean for you? Ordination? And, well, yeah. Yeah. Your process, everything that you experienced and, um, you know, just the wisdom that you, or like the beliefs that you have, and mm-hmm. all the wisdom that you had, you had to be poured out onto just a few pages. Unfortunately, not yeah, forty way single space pages. pages. Yeah. Yes, and um, and then you needed to defend it, and then you needed to um, obviously they you said they examined your character. Um, how does that relate to James thirteen through eighteen?
1: Yeah. Well, that whole section, uh, James three, uh, from the beginning through eighteen, it is about evaluating your leaders and your teachers and holding your leaders and your teachers to a higher account. Um, You know, on the one hand, obviously it would be easier for teachers and leaders not to be held to account. Then you can do whatever you want, teach whatever you want. And that's how bad things happen and bad things start getting taught and weird groups start splintering off and things like that. So um, it's easier, but it's not, not the right way, not a good way. And, And so what, what James encourages us to do, I think most denominations have some sort of, official structure like ordination that uh, is designed to be a safeguard like this. So the point of being ordained, isn't just so that the EFCA can say like, Hey, we have put our stamp on this guy, but also so if I start going off the reservation, uh, they can say, they can call my ordination and, and say like, Hey, this is outside the boundaries of our statement of faith. And then it's up to me to decide if I'm, you know, if I'm leaving, and saying, "Well, I guess I'm not part of you anymore." Or if I take that um, as intended and say, "You're right. I need to, I need to abide by these guardrails uh, yeah. that have been set in place by the wise, uh, godly collective of individuals over the history of the EFC, um, who have over and over and over again wrestled with questions uh, in order to set up good gospel boundaries."
0: Awesome. Well, um, what a cool. Uh, not a coincidence, but just, uh, to being able to go through this passage, preach yeah. from this passage at the exact same time that this is happening. Yeah. And, um,
1: Providential synergy, I guess.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time and we will be praying for you guys as you will you know, you're launching out into your sabbatical and, um, we just look forward to hearing all the stories when you get back.
1: Yeah. Thanks. We're looking forward to sharing the stories. Um, Thanks for praying for us. It's going to be, I'm sure, a whirlwind three months that at some, time, at some points is going to feel like never ending because we're bored. Um, I'm sure it's going to feel disorienting because we're not getting up and going to the office every day. And, you know, as a lot of people say, well, who am I if I'm not working? Um, but I think it's going to be exhilarating too to have this much open space to hear from God, to spend time with, together with Jen and Anna and just to do what we love to do, uh, explore.
0: Yeah doing it together.
1: Awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If this conversation has blessed you in any way, we encourage you to consider sharing it with others. If you ever wish to submit questions to our pastors following their Sunday sermon, you can email your questions to podcast at faithliveitout.org, and we'll do our best to cover the question in the episode. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.